Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It is February 15th, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes. Another mass shooting, the deadliest school shooting since Sandy Hook. 17 dead in a Florida school. Sandy Hook took place in December 2012, and there have been 12 mass shootings at schools since then. So that makes this seem like a ghoulish groundhog day with both sides trotting out their familiar talking points. Folks on the left accusing the NRA and Republicans of having blood on their hands, Republicans calling for thoughts and prayers. Well, the president calls on Americans to answer hate with love, answer cruelty with kindness. Meanwhile, the Senate slouches towards a vote on immigration reform, more questions about security clearances at the White House. President Trump endorses a 25 cent gas tax hike and Mitt Romney prepares to reenter national politics. So to dig ourselves out from under all of this, I'm joined by the Weekly Standard's Jim Swift, the guy who really makes this podcast work, by the way, and Mike Warren, who covers the White House. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning. Actually, it's uh, it's afternoon now. So That's good right. afternoon, gentlemen. <laughs> so let's start with you, Mike. Uh, president Trump's remarks. What did he say? What did he not say? Uh, well, uh, the president came out, uh, I guess, shortly after 11 uh, and said basically to so America, uh, broadly, we are here for you. Whatever we can do, we want to do for you. Uh, he spoke about, uh, you know, today we are all joined together as one American family. Um, no child, no teacher should ever feel unsafe in an American school. Um, uh, he spoke about how each person who died in Florida uh, from this shooting uh, has had a full life ahead of them. Um, and and uh, it was a very uh, appropriate for the occasion, uh, somber speech. He spoke directly actually to this, to children. He said he was speaking to children and students, uh, letting them know, um, which I thought this was an interesting uh, approach to it. He said, um, you know, to let them know that they're never alone, that you have people who care about you. I thought it was as much a message to uh, you know, kids who are feeling scared, certainly in, in the high school itself and also around the country watching this happen, but also to, to potential uh, school shooters who um, seem to, uh, these, these, these young men, and there always seem to be young men, um, you know, these are people who feel isolated uh, or, or in other ways sort of disconnected from uh, their communities. He made an appeal to, I think, subtly to those people as well uh, to, um, to let them know that, that people uh, love them. The one thing he didn't mention at all, uh, which I think a lot of folks on the left uh, were, who were primed to be enraged about what President Trump had to say made them enraged, uh, was he, he didn't mention anything about, about guns or the specific gun that the shooter used, the AR-15. No, he didn't mention guns, and I, I see her on, on Twitter, Philip Rucker from the Washington Post saying, um, uh, quoting the answer, hate with love, answer cruelty with kindness, quote, he said, this has not been a presidency of love and kindness. This would be a rather imperfect messenger. So did the president talk about mental health? Because he had also talked about that um, on Twitter. And, and I guess, you know, this is the this is the Groundhog Day aspect of this. Um, you know, what does, does anybody think now, Jim, you you've worked in Congress. You know, let's just cut to the chase here. Is anything going to be done? Is any is will there be any legislation? Will there be any response? Does anything change after today? No, I mean, there's there's always legislation and there's always a response. Um, and you know, it, it's it, it is something that's just going to continue to be sort of a status quo of uh, Democratic members uh, introducing various bills in the wake of all these tragedies and Republicans, you know, basically refusing to to vote on them. Um, you know. 
it probably is in, in, in Second Amendment absolutists and um, fanatics, uh, not in a bad way. I'm, I myself am yeah. a gun owner and, uh, you know, I'm in very mm-hmm. supportive of the Second Amendment. Um, they all tend to think that this boils down to courts and judges um, because Congress isn't going to do anything. And that is one of the reasons why the NRA was so pro-Trump and um, why uh, Trump's uh, Second Amendment coalition, uh, you know, is very devoted to him because Gorsuch. Yeah. Just re- remind me, remember after the uh, last mass shooting in uh, in Las Vegas uh, back in October, there was about for about five minutes talks about uh, uh, talk about doing something about bump stocks. Even the NRA suggested that it would be open to that. That, that never happened. Right. We did. We didn't do anything about bump stocks. Am I right? No, there was um, there was talk that that it, this was an issue that needed to be done through regulation. <laughs> the White House was saying this was an issue that. Um, that that could possibly be addressed legislatively. So everyone just kind of uh, passed passed the uh, the ball and never really uh, uh, took any action on it, which I thought was kind of politically uh, silly. Um, I thought the the NRA ought, ought to have endorsed uh, some kind of legislation um, that would have because uh, I mean, the problem with all these these efforts to legislate is that. Um, they it's never all it's never clear that the the problem that Congress ends up trying to solve uh, would have solved the the, right. the last uh, the last moment of gun violence. And I think the NRA, even after suggesting they were open to it, uh, reneged. Uh, but that's right. That's right. They but did. I, but it's it's hard with all of these videos burning newspapers and making lemonade to to understand what they're you know what they're really about these days. Well, that that is an interesting question because the NRA really has kind of turned itself into the id of the right. That they're no longer an organization just focused on guns. Uh, they have made themselves, um, you know, active players on everything from uh, attacks on the media to to immigration. But let me just get ahead. You know, one of the questions that I think is legitimate to, to ask, um, you know, beyond legislation, is the question of, of mental illness and also why we missed all of the signals. There are reports today that the FBI had been alerted to this uh, this guy, the, the the shooter, that he'd actually posted something on YouTube. Um, are, are there legitimate questions to be asked about how we missed all of the signals and whether or not there needs to be some sort of of a, of a, of a change in the way that our, that our culture, our society deals with people that that some of us recognize as being threats? I, I think so. I mean, you go back 11 years to the Virginia Tech shooting and Cho Sung Hui was uh, was identified before he uh, shot all of those uh, students and, and faculty uh, as somebody who uh, was mentally unstable. My, qu- I, I, I don't know what the answer is because I think there are legitimate questions. What, what can you do with somebody who's like this uh, shooter in Florida who was tagged by, uh, as you say, law enforcement folks at the school mm-hmm. as being a potential threat? Can do you? You can't exactly lock them up forever until they until they die or become a, a potential uh, until they be, you know the threat goes away. Um, can can you even really constitutionally deny them the ability to to legally buy guns? And I think that I think there are some questions about um, whether or not uh, uh, you know there were things that this or or any past or future uh, school shooter or mass shooter uh, says on social media that maybe can lead to action. But I just think there's a lot. I, I just don't have any answers. And no. every time this happens, I just ask the question, why wasn't able anybody able in his family, at his school, in his community, able to stop him? 
I think Mike. Makes- now, see, I, I think I think that is the question that that people who know who this guy was and know some of the things that he's been saying. Did no one know that he had an AR-15 and think that that was a bad idea? I think Mike made an astute point talking about um, Virginia Tech because uh, a lot of this just focuses on due process, whether or not it's taking away people's guns uh, in mass like Australia did, um, coming up with uh, ways of banning magazines or certain styles of firearms or ownership of, 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 of certain firearms that many millions of people already own, or involuntarily committing people to mental institutions and then, as a result, you know, prohibiting them from being able to own guns. Uh, you know, lots of people have mental episodes. A lot of people have untreated mental illness in this country. Um, and whether it's straight up gun control or whether it's um, rethinking uh, about involuntary commitment and, you know, getting people mm-hmm. the help that they need, it, it sort of has to break our current understanding of due process, I think. Um, and, you know, that, that's, that's as big of an issue as, as the Second Amendment itself. Did the FBI drop the ball here based on what you've read? I have no idea. I mean, uh, yeah. the, the the big problem is we just don't have enough information, and even early information that we got yesterday, uh, when the shooting happened, has been has been revised. So I, I I do think that for our for for those of us in the media, you know, who so often live on Twitter and the sort of immediacy of 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 watching these things and learning information, it's always best to uh, wait until all the facts come, nah, in, particularly at a very chaotic scene as it as it was apparently yesterday in uh, in Florida. Uh, those are words to live by. All right, let's uh, shift to uh, Capitol Hill. Um, the rather unusual, extraordinary scene in the U.S. Senate, which is having an open free-for-all vote on immigration. Uh, you have a couple of packages um, that have been rolled out here. So let me get some sense of the state of play on immigration right now. You have the Grassley bill. You have the Common Sense Caucus bill. Where do you think this, the Senate is right now? Which of those proposals has the best chance to get 60 votes? Um, well, I, I talked to somebody last night in the uh, in, in in who works on the Republican side in the Senate who who leans uh, toward the Grassley bill or, or whose um, whose boss leans toward the Grassley bill, which which is the Trump bill, basically. That's that's the one that the the White House has endorsed, and um, and so the very skeptical of this what they're calling the rounds bill round mike rounds is a uh, sort of a backbencher uh, south dakota republican senator who was kind of slapped on his name was slapped on to this common sense caucus bill uh in order to to keep people like susan collins's name off of it um and you know, I pressed this this person said, you know, it seems like the common sense caucus as much as you, you sort of want to um, uh, roll your eyes at that name seems to have the advantage here. They they basically have eight Republican uh, co-sponsors. If they're able to get every single Democrat, which that's not a given, but if they're, they were able to get every single Democrat, you'd only need to pick off a few more Republicans um, to sort of have a veto pr- or, or just have a filibuster proof majority here. And uh, and then the question would be, what does the House do? with that and what does the president do with that he says he wouldn't support support it and he, he's denounced it but if given the opportunity would he vote for it i i don't know okay so this is the question um paul ryan has said he won't bring up any piece of legislation that is not supported by trump so let's just say that the senate advances this bill the 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 less than optimal bill from the trump point of view will paul ryan bring it up on the floor of the house does anyone know I don't think he will. I mean, that, this, yeah. that's an interesting uh, shift from the speaker who, um, you know, there's always, I know. there's always been this idea that only if it gets the support 
of the majority of the majority. Um, that's shifted ever so slightly now to uh, the majority of uh, Trump's opinion, uh, and and I don't know I don't know how that actually plays out, and I I don't know where Trump really lies on this, despite his administration I know. sort of coming out hard so, for Grassley. So Jim, you you spend some time on on social media. What are what are the 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 Ann Coulter, Laura Ingram's uh, anti amnesty folks uh, saying about all of this? Um, are are they are they going along with the Trump position, or are they uh, thinking that uh, that Do- that Donald Trump has become uh, amnesty Don? I'm trying to spend increasingly uh, <laughs> fewer minutes of my day on social media, especially uh, when it comes to Ann Coulter or Laura Ingram. Uh, but I, you know, from what I have seen, I mean, you recall that Ann Coulter, you know, said some pretty nasty things about uh, what President Trump could do in the Oval Office as long as he. Um, you know, was good on immigration, she wouldn't care. And she's been very, very disappointed. But um, so does that translate into opposition in the in the House of Representatives? I, I see that Ted Cruz is saying that the Trump position is the left of Obama. You know, is is the are, are, are the hard line restrictionists going to torpedo any sort of a compromise? Well, I, I'm not sure they'll get 60 votes. I think Mitch McConnell is keeping this process as open as possible just so he can say, look, I gave you guys no restrictions. I didn't, you know, I didn't fill the tree. I, you know, I didn't, you know, you know, pull procedural tricks on you with cloture and other sorts of things to just, you know, force a vote. You guys just couldn't agree. Um, you know, but keep in mind, though, Trump said he'd sign anything that uh, that that comes to him. Right. I mean, yeah, but I, w- I would push back on on that. I think people are going a little far with the Trump says he'd push back. I mean, I talked to somebody who said he's He's actually pretty well versed in these issues, and he what he views is this 1.8 uh, million people who would get amnesty under. Uh, 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 this is his one of his pillars for 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 the DACA program for fixing the DACA program. He views that as a concession and a big concession that Democrats would sort of be foolish not to take. I kind of tend to agree with him. the 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 hinge point on all of this is the question of legal the legal immigration changes, and I, I do think the White House has pushed a little too far uh, in in trying to get everything that it wants and what David Perdue and Tom Cotton uh, and those types want in the Senate, uh, these restrictions on the visa lottery and these sorts of things. Um, the, the president, I, I, I do think that he's we should give him a little more credit. He, he does know what he and his his base wants. But I think, Charlie, your question about would there be enough members of the House uh, uh, to get this passed? I think um, a, a, I wonder if that's if the, he can really do that. If, if he were a little more skilled, he might be able to be uh, to either ignore those sort of hardliners in the House Republican conference and get a few more Democrats on board mm. uh, and pass this and say, look, this is this is this is the DACA fix. You Democrats that's one. But that would really be for uh, the, the, the president to play against uh, type here, because the one thing that he's been very reluctant to do is to uh, disappoint his base. And and this is the issue that his base is fired up uh, about. And that's why I was asking about not because I think Ann Coulter is uh, is is that, you know, inherently uh, important. It's just the question of that if there starts to be a drumbeat from, you know, what he and and, uh, and Miller, you know, perceive to be, you know, the hardcore Trump base against this. And I'm I'm looking right now at, uh, at at Twitter, which, by the way, I I hate myself for actually doing. Um, and Ann Coulter writes, uh, in exchange for total amnesty, citizenship for illegals already here and who come in the future, Senate immigration bill offers to repaint some of the rickety fences on the border. 
compromise. Uh, Mickey Kaus basically saying true cannot trust Trump need to block rounds bill in the Senate and um, tweeting out the switchboard number. So I think that part of the drama is going to be playing out over the next couple of days. How hard will that uh, the anti-immigration uh, wing of the of the Trump base uh, being in opposition to all of this. Um, okay, let's uh, switch back to what's going on in the White House. Uh, Mike Warren, you have a piece up on the Weekly Standard site that Vice President Pence has given Chief of Staff John Kelly a vote of confidence, asking the question whether that is the deadly vote of confidence. What did you mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's somewhat of a joke, right? That every time somebody in the White House uh, declares that somebody who's embattled has the full confidence of the president, whether it's Mike Flynn uh, or James Comey or somebody else, they they somehow end up you know on the sidewalk uh, a couple days or even weeks later. Um, I, look, I don't know. I think this is all up in the air. We were talking uh, yesterday, Charlie, about uh, the the kind of future of John Kelly and how the knives are are all out for him. Uh, I, you know, there have been some talk that Kelly might have even come out. Uh, yesterday to talk to the press uh, at the at the White House before the the school shooting sort of uh, scuttled any any plans uh, along those lines. Um, uh, you know, you do have to wonder if they do kind of feel like they can weather this storm a little bit now that it's gone on for so long. Um, but I, I mean, it's ju- it's just so hard to say. This is a president who sort of makes decisions on the fly, and uh, if he's in a bad mood and there's a moment uh, where he either decides to accept John Kelly's resignation or asks for it or just straight up fires him, it's going to be hard to kind of predict where that is. I just think Kelly is now in a much weaker position uh, than he was certainly last week uh, in his ability to uh, uh, to to sort of stay uh, stay in the president's good graces. He's never he's never been in the president's great graces, but now he's he's sort of uh, fallen fallen back even farther. So, Jim, Jim Swift, it, it strikes me that this has become a multi-dimensional a scandal that that you you not only have the the issue of uh, you know spousal abuse the the Me Too movement you have the fact um, the the evidence that John Kelly might have lied about all this and the third aspect is this whole question of how does this White House go about handing out security clearances and now we find out that a hundred and thirty staffers lack these security clearances that that's a that's not going to be an easy. Uh, issue for this White House, particularly a White House that that led chance, lock her up, lock her up because Hillary Clinton had been so sloppy about security. That's not going to be easy for them to uh, to get out from under, will it? Uh, Edward Snowden, who I, I do not follow on Twitter, uh, joked that, you know, he was able to get a security clearance. And, you know, what, what about these 130 people? Now, you know, Mike might be better qualified to, to weigh in on who these people are. I don't I don't know who they are. But uh, the White House and the in the in the executive branch, uh, you know, probably ten thousand people who work for it. I mean, one hundred and thirty out of ten thousand. It depends on who those one hundred and thirty are. But you also have to keep in mind that this White House is not staffed up uh, as quickly as other White Houses have. Um, there's a lot of vacant positions there, so one hundred and thirty is not uh, is not uh, as small of a number as, as one might make it seem. Well, especially yeah, in the, especially in the White House. I mean, the, the 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 question here with these security clearances is um, is the interim security clearance is is a legitimate security clearance. It, it's not sort of substantively different than there's uh, there's no such thing as sort of a permanent security clearance. You can always have your security clearance revoked. The question is, 
is this lag time between a lot of these folks coming in right at the beginning of the White House and the administration and uh, still without uh, clearances and, and without that sort of having the adjudication being done suggests that there's all kinds of problems, whether it's something as uh, egregious as what happened with Rob Porter, where he had these these allegations against him or some financial uh, considerations that um, that 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 people in the White House were either unwilling to be uh, entirely forthcoming about or unwind themselves from. This is a big problem that um, that are you, that are you, ta- are you talking about Jared Kushner here? Uh, possibly. Uh, I, yeah. I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Not not knowing anything specifically. Just this is Jared Kushner is one of these um, who's it's it's been uh, talked about and considered is one of these who uh, is without a permanent or has not cleared his interim security clearance uh, uh, status. So today was supposed to be Mitt Romney Day. Uh, he was supposed to announce that he was running for the United States Senate seat from Utah. The, he's postponed that in light of the the school shooting. But it really raises the question, you know, what should we expect from Mitt Romney? I mean, I mean, I mean first of all, I'm I'm acting under the 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 assumption that that his nomination and election are pretty much, um, you know, foregone foregone conclusions. So I guess the question would be, and I'll ask you, Jim, first, does Mitt Romney represent the future of the Republican Party or the past? Maybe neither. Um, I mean, what kind of senator would Mitt Romney be? Would he be like a Jeff Flake or, you know, would he, um, you know, be more like a, um, you know, a kind of, um, I'm trying to think, uh, another another sort of un-Jeff Flaking example, maybe like a Bob Corker with a mm-hmm. on-again, off-again sort of uh, relationship uh, with him. I mean, Mitt is um, certainly, I mean, Mitt, when Mitt ran for president, he was criticized for being, you know, a squish who was flip-floppy on, you know, issues of importance to the Republican base. Well, now we have a president who definitely is, has been squishy uh, in, in his past uh, on major issues to the Republican base. So, I mean, is Mick going to, you know, hop on Rafalka and lead the party forward? Um, or is he just going to kind of be a go-along, get-along guy uh, who will, you know, not, not make big waves unless, uh, unless it's an issue of importance to him? I, I just don't know. It, it's a it's a fascinating question because of course Mitt Romney last uh, well, last year uh, 2016 delivered that speech it was probably one of the harshest and most direct critiques of Donald Trump but then of course we all remember the dinner over the frog's legs where he he actually was willing to join the Trump administration so um, Mike there are some folks that think that Mitt Romney would be the leader of the Trump skeptical caucus in the Senate uh, is that a realistic or unrealistic expectation I think it's realistic. He comes into the Senate again. Caveats. Uh, I, I think he's going to run. I think he's going to win the nomination and 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 win win the Senate seat. Given all that, he would come into the United States Senate in a much different position than your average or even your above average freshman senator. Right? He is uh, a previous nominee of the party, and he is, as you just said, Charlie, a leader of a faction within the Republican Party that is not as small and marginalized as uh, as we would think, which is a skeptical of of Donald Trump, skeptical of his approach uh, on the issues, whether they're uh, foreign policy, national security, economic, uh, uh, trade, all these sorts of things. Um, and and he, he he brings a sort of, to use a terrible term that's always used on, uh, on cable news, he brings a certain gravitas to that. He doesn't look like 
um, you know, a sort of also, you know, sort of has been like a Jeff Flake um, or a young rabble rouser. He is an elder statesman. I think uh, at, at that point, the question for, for Mitt Romney is where does he choose to, to fight his battles with the Trump administration on? Other senators in the Republican Party choose those battles all the time. It will just sound different coming from somebody who a big chunk of uh, Ameri- of the American people and, you know, 90% of Republican voters in the country voted for six, seven years ago mm-hmm. for president. You know, I wasn't going to bring this up before, but uh, since we're talking about uh, the Senate and Senate primaries, uh, Kelly Ward, who is running in, in, in Arizona, I think I tweeted out yesterday I, uh, something where I described her as, uh, as one of the more loathsome uh, folks in the political pipeline. Uh, she She's in the news because she's been soliciting support uh, um, using memes or associating herself with memes that call into question John McCain's uh, mental stability and apparently was also touting an endorsement from a completely fake news website. Is Kelly Ward right now, is, is she is she, is she the front runner in this race? Uh, what does she represent in, in the Republican Party right now? Well, I, I take a, a big interest in this because uh, she could be running for my old boss, John Kyle's seat. Uh, now that Flake is, uh, is, is, is leaving, um, you have to keep in mind that Arizona is, you know, like similar to Florida, has a lot of retirees and um, is a lot politically wackier than than a lot of other states. Um, you know, they've always had the J.D. Hayworths and the Joe Arpaios and the Kelly Wards. And um, I, I would say that, you know, she probably unfortunately is is looking like the front runner right now. Martha McSally, um, you know, she also worked for Senator Kyle, not when I did, um, you know, has, has had to um, adjust to the, the kind of Trumpian nature of things where in the past the John Kyles and the John McCains could always uh, those forces could prevail over the kind of more fringe right in Arizona. Um, and, you know, right now with the victory of President Trump uh, and uh uh, you know, un- unfortunately, I think that the the tides are changing a little bit in the Arizona Republican. You know, side. that's an that's an interesting point. But you know, we were talking yesterday about how uh, unusual and interesting the politics of Tennessee are. But uh, you know, you raised the point about Arizona. I mean, Arizona, you know, does seem to have its. Uh, um, it's it's flaky caucus, but also this is a state that's come up with you know John McCain and uh, Jeff Flake. Uh, the governor of Arizona is a is very much a a, a pragmatic Republican. So you really have a divide, you know, a, you know the full range of Republicans in in this state. So you know the you think you think the trend is is toward is toward wacky. Yeah, I mean, both on the right and and the left. Um, there, there's this old joke that I might, you know, I've seen the T-shirts about, you know, retirees don't care. You know, they they don't have any, they don't have, you know, they don't have to worry about accountability like young people do in their jobs. Um, you Are you know, blaming this on old people? Yes. Is, is that what I is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, wow. Jim, you're just basically saying all these old people just go down. They they basically are out of bleeps to give. They decide what the hell we're going to vote for Sheriff Joe. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, but uh, the other element of of what's going on in Arizona is the Democratic side, and I, you know, the 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 Democratic, the likely Democratic nominee is uh, Kristen Sinema, the uh, sort of moderate-ish uh, D- Democratic Congresswoman, um, and 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 
you know, you mentioned Jeff Flake. Uh, you know, that's the kind of Republican that can win in Arizona as well. He he barely won that Senate seat uh, back in twenty twelve. Was it um, that when John Kyle retired, um, he 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 kept it pretty close uh, with the Democrat. I think Kristen Sinema is going into this uh, race, and and you have to consider that Arizona does have a, a substantially large uh, Hispanic population that is trending Democratic, and they're becoming a bigger part of the electorate there in Arizona. Um, the question, just like in Tennessee, is where did the sort of uh, uh, you know, Phoenix suburban uh, business-oriented Republicans that elected that governor, D- Doug Ducey, um, who are more Doug Ducey and John Kyle and less uh, Jan Brewer and Kelly Ward, where do they go when it really comes down to it on Election Day? That's a big uh, question mark, I think. Well, you know, and because I, you, you, if you listen to those three individuals, both, you know, um, well, John McCain and Jeff Flake and, and uh, Governor Ducey, have all said things that that basically raise the question: Is there a place in the modern Republican Party for for guys like that? And I think that that primary is going to answer this. You guys having any flashbacks to all of the Senate seats that uh, that Republicans over the years have pissed away by nominating um, inappropriate candidates, whether it's Christine O'Donnell or Sharon Angle or perhaps Kelly Ward? Is this, is this yeah. kind of a replay of all of that, or, or or Roy Moore by more more recently? Right, but you know, the, I I would say that the the other forces, uh, whether you you want to call them establishment or whatever, have sort of learned a little bit how to fight back, and it's not always a a, a straight forward answer you know if you had gone back to 2009 you would have thought that uh you know it was crazy for this state senator named marco rubio in florida to be challenging the sitting governor uh his uh, a good republican charlie christ in the primary and how could people be even be getting behind him but we of course know what happened with charlie christ and what happened with marco rubio um i think that it's it's a little more complicated and i think that it's actually hurt by some of those races that as, as you say charlie that republicans pissed away in the past, uh, Republicans, you know, don't, you know, they, they, they may like to to, to, to uh, whine and, and cry about the establishment, but voters also don't like to lose uh, either. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, Jim Swift, uh, Mike Warren, we will be back uh, tomorrow. In fact, uh, on uh, the Friday edition of uh, The Daily Standard, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the, the insanity going on university campuses and whether or not that is leaking out into the general population. Again, thanks for joining us.